Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 443. My name is John Morgan, and Cole Coffee is with me in this, I mean, just, how do I describe Las Vegas right now? We're just, we're getting to Paradise. my favorite time of the year, man. What do I say all the time? If you've ever heard me, and I'm singing the virtues of when you need to be in Las Vegas, I always say April or October. But I think out of April and October, I've determined that October is actually my favorite because it reaches that period of time where that that 110 degree weather is like, <laughs> I don't hate it much. But after a while, you're like, can it please just cool off a little bit? You know, when it's April, it's like the cold winds are dying down a little bit. It's starting to warm up and you, and you feel summer coming in. But right now, it's like summer easing away it's like 75 degrees outside right now and uh we're just walking into my favorite time of the year so i'm just i got windows open i got doors open you know what i mean we're getting some fresh I think air I hear birds chirping i think i hear birds chirping you sound like you're it's like the lead into a disney movie the sun's shining the animals all come out of their little holes in the ground where they've been trying to stay cool it is wonderful i i think i'm with you i think october uh has to be one of the best, but I mean, maybe it's recency bias, but I know right now looking outside, it's beautiful. It's sunny. It feels good outside. Even the other day when we had the the UFC decided to put outdoor ceremonial uh, events and all that other stuff, it was hot, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, this time of year is just beautiful. It's amazing. It's, it's so nice. Um, this is definitely a good time to visit and uh, I'm loving it. I'm yep. absolutely loving the weather right now. I should say, by the way, I thought about you a lot as people were talking about, of course, the UFC Noche. Of course, all the controversy and everything. We'll get to all that and the discussions of the continued fallout of, of Noche UFC. Uh, but I know, like, I can't remember if some media member brought up, hey, what, you know, what do you think about Noche UFC? Oh, yeah, and Dana White's like, yeah, it was great, it was great, you know. And then you're like, somebody was like, wow, how about those outdoor weigh-ins? That was cool, right? And yeah, you know, we do that sometimes from time to time. It's nice out there. And I was thinking of you just being like, I heard it wasn't so nice. <laughs> you, yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, it's 100 degrees outside. It may look cool on tape and everything. I, I saw, I think, uh, I think John Anik was, was tweeting, like, we got to do this more often. We got to, this is amazing. He was under shade. <laughs> oh, bro was under shade. And I'm sure they probably had an AC machine up there as well. Um, yeah, it's funny because I'm the one that asked Dana about uh, what he thought about the outdoor thing. And, and when he was like, oh, yeah, we'll do it again. It's funny because oh, Kaplan was, you was giving asked. me grief. <laughs> I asked him about the outdoor thing, but uh, then he was like, uh, yeah, we've done that before, but somebody said something about Noche UFC, and he like went to, uh, then maybe I, no, it was something else, and he was like, blah, 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 and he gave, he was like, he was giving me credit, like that was my idea, like of like bringing up something about the event, and I was just like, I just nodded. I was like, I, I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. I'm just going to nod. Let him get it through his he, thought. I mean, there doesn't bring any point to just like, interrupt him to be like well no don't you know i don't think that was me that thought of the no chain thing but blah 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 but i remember kaplan at the end was like look at you taking credit for some for no chain that wasn't your idea i was like hey i'm just letting the man talk i'm he, just letting the man talk he, he did <laughs> let, check the record he did basically give you credit he was like you know i think i was talking to you and you said why don't you guys do this and so i went back to my office and we got that done the next day you know <laughs> Like, You're welcome, fans. Mexico, you owe me a square. I did uh, that for you. I did that for you. Cole Cobb, he's like, yeah, you, know how funny, long, you know how long I actually worked at the UFC and didn't get anything done? And <laughs> I know. He, he didn't even remember my name. I was still Guy and like, hey, and fella, you know, by the time I left. Uh, but no, it, it's funny. But it was interesting because he's like, you know, we've done that before. I was like, well, we've done it in some places, but we've never done it in Vegas that I, that I can recall that we've done one of those recently. I mean, if he's talking about like in – you know, uh, Australia, and we've done other stuff. Those yeah. have always just been open workouts. I don't remember ever doing a ceremonial weigh-in in another country I, outside. I remember. I mean, I maybe can, Brazil. Brazil, I do remember doing an outdoor arena in Brazil one year um, where they did the weigh-ins in an arena that was outside. But outside of Brazil, I can't think of a place where we did weigh-ins outside. I remember one because I remember uh, it was Vancouver, and I and I'll, I'll 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 always remember it. Number one because we were outside, and and Vancouver's to me is one of the most beautiful cities on earth. But I'll never forget like right before the open way and started like a seaplane like landed in the water right behind the stage or whatever. I was like, dude, you couldn't draw up the B roll any better than that. That's and, awesome. And that was one where uh, Kenny Florian fought Diego Nunes. 
and, and Kenny Florian wore um, a Boston Bruins jersey, and Diego Nunes wore like a Vancouver Canucks jersey. So it's kind of cool. They had like the rival oh, hockey. So that'd be one thirty-one. One thirty-one. So that was, right that my was, time. That was that's yeah. that's one of the few that I ever remember. And I just remember because, but again, you're talking about June 10, two thousand eleven. Yeah, you're talking about the Pacific Northwest at that point. I mean, the weather's a little bit different than Vegas. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Uh, but yeah, it was. Hey, listen, it was a decent turnout. I was a little worried at first. I didn't think it was gonna. You know, when we were looking at the 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 crowd lined up at first. I was like, whoa, they they went through a lot of trouble to you know put this together. There's not a lot of people. It looked at one point there was more security than there was fans. Oh wow! But by the end of it, uh, dude, it was it was at a pretty good turnout. Um, everybody was wearing those awesome green like Noche UFC jersey shirt things, and it was it was a, it was definitely a, a good turnout. But man, I I didn't see anybody pass out. That was awesome. Good for everybody. <laughs> and it's not even just like um, oh you know drunks got there or whatever, which can happen. But everybody looked hydrated. They looked in like good sorts. You know, like everybody was smart. It wasn't like everybody was like, hey, we've been getting wasted all day long, and now we're gonna go to this big you know to do it was it was it was good it was pleasantly uh surprising that it wasn't as bad as i thought it could have well, been so I mean, look, all that, in all i can see where they were probably happy with it yeah for sure and, and and you know remember the whole reason they do things like that is just to create foot traffic right to get attention as people walk by you know what yeah. i mean we used to do open workouts every now and then outside <clears> like <throat> you said and it was just so hey even if people don't have a ticket they can at least join in the festivities and you maybe see something yep. yeah and maybe yep. if they didn't know the, that the event was in town or they weren't thinking about buying a ticket um, they they'd end up doing it, and I'll tell you what, man. I, I do I do want to say, man. Overall, I, I thought that Noche USC concept was awesome. I'm glad to hear that Dana White loves it. Um, I'm glad to hear that they want to continue doing it because I thought it yeah. I, I thought it came together well. The the venue that night, man. I, I tweeted a couple different times, but it just it felt so special, man. Because we had heard early on that like, hey, man, this. This arena might not be packed. You know, it's a fight yeah. night. It's not a pay-per-view. T-Mobile's a big building. It might not be packed. But I'll tell you what, by the time fight night rolled around, the arena was packed, and, and, and the atmosphere in there was cool, man. I mean, t- from Tracy Cortez on, like, any time a Mexican fighter walked in or was representing the Mexican flag, like, they were on point. It was loud. It was, uh, it was cool, man. It was, it, was, it was super cool. And I think even Dana was a little bit unsure about, hey, how is this concept going to come off? Is it going to seem yeah. cheesy? Or is it going to seem like we're, you know, uh, but no, man, I thought it came out great. And I'm glad to hear that they're going to do it every year. I, I, I thought well, it was he fun. was stoked, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, like hearing him talk the other day, he's like, we're going to now make sure we can always get that date, whether it's here or somewhere. He's like, if somebody else is using that date, we'll go to a different arena. Yeah. You know, or something. I was like, good for you. And like, he's, he's bought all into it, you know. And uh, I'm glad that it felt like that. I know I can tell you from being in the media tent, it felt like every other event <laughs> ever at T-Mobile, uh, you know. But one thing I did notice and I wondered, at least I don't remember ever hearing, you know, like on the weigh-ins, you heard some boos when the the opponent of the Mexican fighter would come up there. But I don't remember feeling that on fight night. I felt like everybody was just excited for a fighter to come out. Like they definitely were pops from the Mexican fighters, but I don't remember them ever like going crazy, boo, hating on the opponent as well. It just seemed like they were excited. Maybe there was some, but no, maybe no, it just no. didn't come through in the back of the arena. I would agree Watching that. it from a TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of remember. I feel like maybe Kyle Nelson got some as a Canadian coming in. Just a little bit, though. Not a lot. Oh, well, and, Canada deserves and, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I exactly. Get I get Dirty that. Canadians. Yeah. You got to boo them. Uh, <laughs> No, just kidding, obviously. Uh, but uh, slightly, I, I, they're just moderately dirty. I think. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think Valentina. I think Valentina got some hate. Uh, I think Valentina got a little bit of booze. But I mean, that's interesting. But that's a main event. Hear, I, it's a title fight. Yeah, that's right? cool, and they definitely won the main event. But that's weird. I didn't remember seeing them on the T. But that kind of gives a little more excitement, uh, knowing that that it was. But yeah, I didn't remember. But also, maybe I, maybe I was knee deep in doing an edit, so I didn't really partake. I know there was a lot of anticipation. The, the meeting room cleared out. Everybody for that if they're in the back tent and they have rooms to get out there, everybody left to run out there. And I think at one point there were three of us in the back because they oh, were like, wow. "We're going to try to bring." Uh, who did they rush out there? Maybe it was Daniel, uh, Zell Huber. They were they were like, "Can we try to rush him through?" And we're like, "Yeah, of course, of course." And by the time they brought him out, there were three of us in the back wow. room, and of course, only two of us asked questions because the third one was Scott, and Scott never asked anything. Uh, love you, Scott. Thanks for helping out. Uh, it was so it was just me and Kaplan in the front, and then even the UFC came. They're like, "You, know, dude, thank you, thank you for making that quick." Because I remember at one point I was finishing, I asked, oh, I was. So I was still asking questions uh, 
when Valentina and them came out because they were starting to do the intros and and Kaplan told me that she was getting she was starting to get pissed that I was still talking uh, while they're getting ready to do the thing. And I was like, I'm like, I'm, we're doing an interview. If we're going to do the interview, we're going to do the interview. Try like, to do my I, job, had, I told him, I was like, in the periphery, I was seeing where the fight was and I was going to be done by the time that they walk forward to like touch gloves and fight or whatever. But I was like, also, he was just excited. You know, Nick Six and yeah. those cats were in there. I was like, of course, I'm going to give give the guy that trains at a Vegas gym some love. And, and it was a great fight, you know, and he's such a good kid. But yeah, it was interesting, you know. <laughs> they were rushing him through, and I was like, "Oh, there's only like a f- two of, a, literally two of us back here for him." That's but uh, so that's why I missed uh, Valentina going out there because we were in the middle of that uh, interview. So maybe that's why I didn't that hear the booze or anything. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. So, so. tied to Noche USC, let me just say I'll apologize for being one day later than normal. I promise we'll uh, we'll be back to normal next week. I know we've had a little bit of a rocky schedule the past couple weeks, but. Um, yesterday was a bit of a crazy day. Obviously, you and I got together to do the uh, UFC Fight Night 228 Media Day at the UFC Apex. Um, and then I was uh, invited to be part of the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission training seminar that was shortly afterwards. And then on top of that, uh, I had uh, soccer practice with my kid. And then my wife was actually nice enough to hook us up with tickets to go see the Las Vegas Aviators from uh, the pool out there at the Las Vegas ballpark. Yes, which I saw a, that. I which, saw those pictures. It's funny. I was like, I was like, I thought John had some work to do. And this motherfucker's out here. He's at the pool. I, I did. I did. Eli have, looked like he was enjoying himself. That was that was cool. That pool was uh, neat. Yeah, I'd never been there. I'd been out to the ballpark before. Obviously, you and I had gone out to the ballpark before, but I'd never mm-hmm. been in that little pool area before. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. And yeah, Eli had. A blast i don't think he watched the whole and it's lot right of- by the bar oh. I, now i see why you're in it's literally is the bar inside the pool areas or, or you have to walk out of the pool oh no the sir bar? the bar is inside the pool and <laughs> the added benefit the added benefit of being in the pool area is that i mean it may be an added benefit i don't know if it is or not but uh they will let you run a tab there so instead of having to walk up and just do like a awesome. new transaction every time because you are you know a captive audience inside that fenced yeah. area uh, she's like, you can run a tab. I was like, I can run a tab. She's like, absolutely. So m- had a couple That's of frosty dangerous. beverages. That's uh, dangerous. Yeah, Eli, Eli did not watch uh, much baseball, but he got a whole lot of swimming in, and there were some other kids in there that he was uh, they playing around, having a good time with. So uh, so it was That's fun. That's awesome. But, yes, that was after my work, sir. The reason we couldn't do – I mean, well, maybe – it all tied in together. But part of it was the Nevada State Athletic Commission training call, which I got to be a part of yesterday. Now, I will point out, because a lot of people keyed in on the fact that um, that the, the, the commission did hold this call. I will remind everybody, of course, anybody that listens to this show knows, they also held one the previous week. So this is not like uh, this is never done or it's unprecedented. I mean, this is something they do routinely. Now, did they do it? Because it was a ten eight training last week, it, or is it, it was, believe, it was yes, training? It actually was ten eight training. Now it's always training. It's always judging training. But it is yeah. funny. The week before, it was about ten eights as well. Um, so I just wanted to point out, it's not unprecedented. This type of training happens all the time. But it was absolutely very much related to the ten eights and the controversy. Do you guys know uh, who attended? Do they have like a attendee list? Uh, like uh, well, the judges and stuff that did it. Yeah, I mean, you could see everybody on the screen. I I, I didn't keep a, a firm list of everybody. There. I would know in terms of media, it was myself, uh, Mark Raimondi, Stephen Morocco, and Aaron Bronstetter were the four media members that were on there. And then I believe there were about fifteen judges. Now, Mike Bell was not on the training call, and a lot of people have kind of keyed in on that to be like, well, why the guy we're talking about wasn't even there. The guy had other things going on his schedule. I would imagine probably his full-time job, if I'm being honest with you. But uh, rest assured, he has. <laughs> they have spoken with Mr. Mike Bell. You know, I hate to keep bringing his name up because he is such a, a respected judge in the community and does such a good job. But there's no question about it. I mean, that the score, the scoring was controversial. And in fact, the whole point of this tr- particular training call was to go back and rewatch every round that had a 10-8 on it because the 10-8s that were on the night. The interesting thing that uh, Jeff Mullen pointed out was, you know, we had 10-8s, but even in our rounds that had 10-8s, none of it, we, we were never as judges. Unanimously 10-8. Unanimous, exactly. There were no unanimous 10-8s. It was 10-8 to 9. So it was like, look, we got to make sure we're on the same page about this. And so that's what was done, was reviewed every round that had a 10-8 on it. And um, it, so that was uh, all three rounds of, of uh, Nuts and Man, round one of Godinus and Reed, and then, of course, uh, the infamous 10-8 from, uh, from Shevchenko and Grasso there. So it's good. I mean, the training is good, man. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it. I'm sure by now everybody's heard the, the three Ds, and that's the focus of it. It's damage, 
dominance and duration with damage really being the key out of those three. You know, the 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 the, the, the you know the impact and the damage that's being done. The other thing that was really pointed out, and I thought it was a, a key reminder, um, was that. Also remembering to factor in if there's no offense from the opponent. You know, if it's, if it's totally a one-sided round, maybe the damage isn't as bad as you thought it would be to be a 10-8, but because the other fighter does literally nothing in reply, that you really need to consider doing a 10-8 there. So ultimately the commission, and, and it was I thought it was good too because a lot of times in some of the past training sessions that I've been a part of, it's been kind of more of like theory almost. Like, let's review these rounds. Like the one we did a week ago, there were four really, really close rounds. Like really, I mean, man, and, and these weren't so much about – it was about 10-8, but it was about who got the right one and that sort of thing. And, um, but it, it was it was more just like, well, if you're looking at it, here's what you're looking at. And here's what you're thinking. This was more like, this is a 10-9, this is a 10-8. And if you said 10-9, you got it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and trying to be real Because it defensive. sounds like if somebody says a close fight, 10-8, that shouldn't even be in like the discussion. Because if it's a, if it's a close, you're looking at like, you know, at 10-9, maybe a – can there be a 10-10? Can there be a 9-9 if you're just like neither one did it? I mean like it's just interesting. But yeah, I mean I'm glad that they're doing it. I, uh, you know, it, it sucks that, you know, of course, yeah, you don't want to kick the guy while he's down. You know, you know I've, I've – don't know the guy personally. I know a lot of people have been vouching for him, and everybody makes mistakes. We've seen great guys that we appreciate and respect make mistakes. Mark Goddard, who I think is a great one, we've seen him fuck up. Um, Mark Smith, he's a good one. He fucks up. Yep. Um, they all mess up. Everybody has moments or whatever. But you would like to hear that they're actually you see guys actually do some of these trainings and stuff. You know, like there's, you know, the fact that you're able. I'm glad that you guys were able to see some people on there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, okay, well, we're never going to actually see these guys accountable you know the commission is going to say well we talk to them you know like okay so we just continue taking your word that you talk with them and that change is going to happen and you know a lot of times they say well you know i know this person had a bad day but they get a lot of reps they get a lot of whatever you know they're going to happen you know but you know it'll be fine it'll be fine um it's good to hear that they're actually putting this out there you know you'd like to hope that at some point then they make these things mandatory where you know at a certain uh time length they need to actively, you know, regardless if you've done 15 events in the last six months, you know, you should have a mandatory training where they have to sign off and say as part of their um, recertification part, like you've attended this training where they can do it instead of just saying, Jeff, Jeff, I'm busy. I can't get there. I can't get there. You know, trust me. I'm good. I get it. I went back and watched it. Trust me. I'm fine. You know, like I'd, I'd rather the commission be a little bit more accountable to their their the people that are under them that they've actually done these sort of trainings. I, mean, I think right now the commission can say, well, you know, we, we put out these trainings. We, we do what we can, you know, we're making it available. That's all we can do. Well, I think you can do more than that. You know, I think you can hold these guys a little bit more accountable and make that. Uh, and I think a lot of people would be a little bit um, more lenient. if They understand that it's, if it's on the level and they can see it. Like if they say, okay, we're making mandatory training that within every six months, the guy has to attend a, a training on this 10, eight, that this, this is, or even just if it's a yearly, Sure, we have to do the crazy yearly shit for our, our corporate stuff, you every, know, every corporation and their certificates, like just keep a, a lever, a, a record. And then if somebody says, this guy's made some iffy calls, you know, when was the last time you're training? They're like, well, we, we offer up trainings every year for stuff. And it's like, okay, well, did the guy go can you show me that he actually went to the stuff yeah. and then i think somebody be like okay commission i'm not going to yell at you because you're trying to do what you did the guy attended this or whatever you know and then you kind of wash your hands of it or you know or you just uh, well you at least stop hounding the commission yeah and i think right now when i hear from other media stuff is they feel like the commission is just not doing enough job of making sure that people are are doing these sort of things, attending these trainings and others or the sort well, of stuff. I, and I think that's a big message that I definitely want to make sure that people get out there is that the, the, the judges and the referees, they do care. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people tend to think like, oh, they just show up and whatever happens and they don't really care. No, they beat themselves up over it. I mean, they really do. Like they, they talk about it all the time. They, they, you know, when they do make mistakes, when they do something that they think could have been wrong, I mean, they do care about it way more than you would ever imagine. Like way more than you would ever imagine. And I think that's 
that's an important part. But that still doesn't alleviate the need for exactly what you're saying, like constant constant training, constant evaluation, constant certification. Even on the even on the calls, it's kind of cool. It's like on a on a Skype call or whatever, but they'll pop up like a survey or whatever, which is like, what would your score for that round be? And you got like ten nine red, ten eight red, ten nine blue, ten eight blue. But it'll have like the name as well. Um, but there's no reason you couldn't do that in a training session. Just like you said, like when I used to work for Gannett, like all the dumb things that you have to do were like you can't skip through them because you got to watch them and you got to make sure you click yep. the right thing. I mean, I think that could definitely be a thing where you have to do that. And the other thing that I've always stood for that I, that I wish could be evaluated and developed is just a constant evaluation thing. I know that would be a little bit difficult, but if we're getting to the point now where we're saying – as a commission, I feel confident that a 10-9 is right, a 10-8 is right, you know, one is wrong, whatever the, the case may be. I would love to see just an evaluation that shows like, hey, man, you know, this judge right here judged, you know, 300 rounds over the course of this year. And in 290 of them, he was spot on or whatever the case may be. You know right. what I mean? Like, so that way – when we get when we when we go like hey why is why are those the three judges that were selected for this title fight well it's very right. easy if you look at our if you look at our last year's worth of data these are the three at the very top of the list who are yeah, they had the, the highest accurate. yeah they had the highest percentage of accuracy and i don't know the easiest way to track that to mandate that to to, to, to you know again somebody's got to be the one and, and i know it's not easy to, to somebody's got to be willing to say this is right this is wrong you know what i mean versus just well that's what most people said somebody has to say what's right and what's wrong but if they're willing to do that i think that would be spot on and then we could just have a list and maybe you don't have to have all the data and and i do totally understand like and i've been one too that's pressed over the years to say i wish we had more transparency i wish we could hear from these uh, officials, right? But I totally understand why you're not going to see the officials themselves go up there, right? Like I, I've said this for years, so if, if you you know apologize if you heard me say this before, but I think it's worth reminding. Like no Fortune 500 company out there is going to just be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel free to grab one of my uh, guys from the workroom right there and put him in front of the media and let him answer questions about our company. Like no, 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 no. It's either going to be the heads of the company or it's going to be, you know, approved spokespeople for the company. So, you know, I totally get if it's only Jeff Mullen or another commission head or I totally get if it's only an approved spokesperson. Like, I don't ever anticipate a day where every referee and judge could potentially be in front of the media because I don't think any company operates like that where you could just take some rank and file employee or whatever and put them up in front of the media. That's not going to happen. But... If you had a list, again, of here's the evaluations, here's why this person was on it, here's where their accuracy is, etc., and then maybe you did have an opportunity for at least a representative to speak, I think those would both be really big steps in the right direction um, to know that we're trying yeah. to do the best we can. Well, I mean, I can definitely see where your point where, you know, um, especially if you're talking about like figureheads or somebody of a, a company, those are the decision makers, and they're usually being able, they should be able to speak on the decision that they make. I think if they did have to put somebody in front, <clears throat> they'd give them enough training to say, well, my purview is on these decisions that I made personally. And I can see where you put you could put somebody that maybe is not uh, an exec of the commission because his purview would just be the decisions he made on that particular fight. But me, but and like if they you, started asking but, about but like the other you, scope. You couldn't like when I, cause when I worked for Gannett, like I couldn't do an interview based on the operations of MMA junkie. Right. I don't think you, you couldn't go speak to the media and talk about that. Right. True. But I mean, I don't think they would, you know, I think if it got to the point where they're asking him about, uh, you know, how the commission runs and operates, they could say, well, that's outside of my purview. I'm here to speak on, uh, Valentin, uh, you know, Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso, my knowledge of what I saw in rounds one, That's two, true. or three. Only what Anything I outside saw. It, only only what, what I saw. saw. Not what Everything anybody else saw. Is outside of my purview, and I'm not I'm not I'm not willing to and able to comment on that particular stuff, but I can't answer questions to what I saw that evening and that sort of deal. Then I can see where somebody do it. And I think, you know, because I, I know with even like stuff with like um, Red Cross, sometimes when I go cover some stuff, they're like, and if you want me, you could talk to media. I was like, I don't want to fucking talk to media. I was like, half the shit I don't understand. But they give you a specific of what you can talk about and little other things. And if it's something else, then you push it off to somebody else and say, I can't answer that particular area. I don't have that. I don't have enough information at hand, but I can give you the name of the person that can talk about that. And I think that's the same sort of thing that they could do with some of these judges speak that night and just say, you were able to talk about what you saw that evening, what why you decided, but anything outside of that, well, whether it become to decisions on punishment, fighters, this, 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 anything outside of what you saw that evening, 
should not be what's available. And you can just say, I have no comment on that. That's outside of my purview of, of this situation. And I think we could get at least some sort of thing, but you're right. I think it's a slippery slope. Cause I think as once anybody's up there, just like when we see Dane up there or whatever, it's not like you, they just stick to the fight that happened. Right. Eventually somebody's going to go off book and try to get some other information. Dana has the availability and he has the confidence and he has the, the, the wherewithal to say, okay, fuck it. Yeah. I'll go down that route with you for a little bit. Whereas somebody else should be able to just say, sorry, you know, like no comment or I'm not able to make a comment on that situation, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and again, maybe it's not the right idea, idea for, for anything, but I think probably too, it's just a matter of, you know, people get frustrated and they want to have an outlet to direct some questions, whether if you get no real answer, I think people are placated and a little bit by just getting some sort of feedback or at yeah. least the, the, the chance to vent. And maybe that, if they don't get that, maybe more people should be calling into some of these commission things. And at the beginning, they won't answer you, but if you have a comment and you feel that this is, this, this is, and that is wrong, call into a commission. Make your comment at the beginning when they open it up, whether anybody has any comments or whatever, say your piece. They're not going to answer and they're not obligated to to answer anything back to you or give you a response, but you can at least say something. Maybe that'll get it off your chest and you'll feel better If because uh, I think sometimes that's just what people want. They're very frustrated. They're very, they're, I don't understand these things. You know, there is a, there is a place that you guys can vent these to, to not just reporters. Like, why don't you ask the commission this? Well, I'm like, hey, if you really are that upset call into the commission they make yeah. their number publicly available you can say your comment when they open it up for public comments say your piece and then go on about your life yeah. <laughs> unless unless you're really that upset and you're just going to make this the, the 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 thing you hang your head on you're like I'm, I'm i'm riding this till i die you know um but it would it would be nice though to have that uh discourse and luckily some media like yourself are able to go to these commissions and actually talk to some of these and some of these trainings to get some answers, but it would, it would certainly, I think there could be a means where commission could review their decisions on fights in a public manner with, with, uh, boundaries. Yeah. They just got to be confident enough to say, I'm, I will answer this, but nothing else. Please do not ask me anything outside of this. This is all I'm just going to hear. Or you can just come make a statement. Even if just had a guy come make a statement, you know, maybe that just takes one step. Where I don't want to field any questions, but I want to make a statement of why I made a decision, you know, and then and then yeah. peace out, walk out of the room. That'd be or nice. That you're right. Even that. Hey, not open for questions, but just we understand that this, you know, this one may be controversial, or these are moments we need to speak about or whatever. I think, um, I think there's a, there's a way. Hopefully, it seems like the dialogue is happening. We're trying to move in that direction. So yeah, uh, it was good. I will say it was cool on the call. They actually let uh, they actually let us as media. Uh, they kind of went to us and what do you think about these particular rounds? Not on every round, but they they they, they worked us into the discussion and into the uh, that's cool in, into the evaluation. I, I've also the other thing and, and I think. I'm, I'm going to have to do this at some point, and i got to figure out you know, the timing and how to make it happen, whatever. But I have talked to several judges who said as well, they're like, you know, um, you know who, who, by the way, are appreciative of the discussion and, and like seeing us take part in it and all that. Um, I think they like seeing us take part because they're, at least now we as media are getting to see how much they do care and how much they really do put into us. I think they like us being a part of it. But the other thing that I've been told by a couple of people is like, man – until you've actually been in that chair on fight night, it's just a different feel. Like when you're there, it's just the view that you have sometimes, the fact that it's you obstructed. Can't, yeah, they don't exactly. they don't see the screens that easy. I you mean, a lot of times I know when you watch the show and you're off to the side, you're like, oh, you can only see, and you try to look up to a screen. They're sitting in a chair. They might not have a decent angle of, of another screen, you know. So, yep. Luckily, I mean, that's why there's three of them in there, you know, to kind of look around and and see what happens. But, um. That's true. That's and, true. I mean, and I was, I, that's boy, a lot of pressure to be in that chair. I can a, only imagine. A lot of pressure. And, and uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. I was even thinking about that, you know, after this training call. Because, like, you know, uh, when I'm commentating, uh, I have a monitor right there in front of me. And I look at the monitor, and I, and I can look up to this action. And I've got the monitor. So I can always have a pretty clear view. Now, obviously, at the highest level, the UFC, they have a, a monitor I was going to say, well. wait, uh, now that I think about it, I was like, they do have a small little monitor. They do. At um, the highest level, they do. At the UFC, yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even like when I'm on press row, like sometimes you'll see me exactly what you said. Like I, I can't see something cause I'm blocked by a post or whatever. And so I'll look back and I'll be looking at the big screens or I'll lean back so I can look up at the big one. And I was thinking about that. If you were a judge and you were in a position where you didn't have a very good angle and maybe the monitor didn't have what you needed and you were trying to just look around for something else, I gotta think if you were caught on camera, like 
looking like around like yeah. you're, you know not people, a good not a good look yeah people would just thrash you like even though you're, you're searching for the best view possible the best angle possible i'm sure people would be like what is this yeah what is this well, even the little monitor even the little monitors they have uh in front of them your line of view when they're sitting they're usually sitting in a high top chair you know, so they're sitting up above the walkway where right. somebody's going to walk them the 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 monitor often is sitting on um that little walkway or, or even to it. So when you look at their, they're either looking up and upwards at the action, or they have to look what could be equivalent of like one or two feet downward. Their eyes are looking. So if they wanted to look at the screen, they're not going to be seeing any action up top. They might be afraid to miss something. So yep. they want to keep looking at the actual action because in the act of looking down from the monitor, you might miss something, so you know? True. So that's tricky. It's tricky. It's almost like, you know, they, I can see where some of them might be like, if it'd be interesting to ask them, you know, how often do you find yourself going to the monitor or do you feel that you're going to miss something? And do you always just try to watch the actual action in the cage in front of you? And, and you know, what's the percentage of time that you actually even look at the monitor? Yep. Is it for a replay in between? But most of them don't because, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yep. Yeah, because they have the monitors, but I wonder how often they actually find themselves finding the time to look at it because it's not like it's right eye level where you can kind of do a periphery thing and look at it while trying to look at the screen because you can only look at the one yeah, or the other. you so. got one choice. So I'm going to have to put myself in there at some point. Uh, I'll have to make that happen uh, sooner Just walk up. Like, hey, I'm, I'm John Morgan. You, you might you might know who I am. Can I just sit there for a minute? <laughs> you may have heard of me from such you websites as MMA Junkie <laughs> and, <laughs> and MixedMartialArts.com. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, the Israel Adesanya video finally came out. Did you get a chance to take a look at uh, Israel Adesanya? I just peeped a little interview? bit of it. You talking about the interview off on his uh, his website? Yeah, yeah. I just I peeped a little bit of it, and then I was just like, I was like, ah, oh, watch it later. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just, I guess, I only had a couple of comments, and and uh, no, I mean, listen, we told you from the beginning. Look, this is what's going to happen. Not that it was uh, not obvious how things were going to play out, but I'll be honest with you, man. I think this is really smart for fighters, man, to just, especially at that highest level. Now, it, when you're making your way up and you're trying to get your name known, like not really speaking to the media and just be like, I'll do things on my channel, that's going to be a little tough. Like, you need to speak yeah. to the media and try to get your name out there and, you know, just get people seeing you. But, man, when you're at that highest level, like Israel Adesanya is, I think this is a smart way to handle things, man. Like, you know, it's like, not only, again, does he get all the views and does he build his channel and build his platform, which will help him during his career and after his career, so that's smart. But it, obviously the message is controlled. You can see very clearly in I'm there. i say that's it. He's controlling the narrative. Oh, the, I mean, it's but outside the view, I mean, you're controlling the narrative. You're controlling what questions and answers come yep. out. So, I mean, and it's smart. I mean, like, it's smart like that, but also in the same sense, I'm like, Okay, I appreciate the 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 PR piece you gave us, you know, right. and well, that you is, actually it, answered. You actually answered the questions, you know. But it's a PR piece, you know. It is it's a public relation piece. But I'm telling you, if I was if I was on that side of it, I'd recommend yeah. my fighter do the same thing. And you, I mean, look, because he could have not did anything, you know. So I mean, he actually gave his thoughts on it and break down the little bits that I saw, you know. But you know, right? Like, like um, we never, for instance, we never got the Ronda Rousey discussion that we would have liked, right? Yeah. Like, we just literally never heard from her. And I think that backfired on her. I think that's why a lot of people, you know, kind of turned against her. But, you know, here Speaking we got... Of, I saw Travis Brown had another recent test in between the last time I looked on USADA. He's had six tests, six tests this there. year. Staying in staying there. Staying in there. What's the up with that? But, all right, the, the I, I, I digress. But I saw that just the other day. I Because like I always be going to USADA. And just for a random, I've keyed into Travis Brown. And I saw, again, he, he's been tested one time this quarter. And I was like, what is going on? I love it. <laughs> Pay attention to the comeback. Hoppa's going to come back. <laughs> Hoppa's uh, going to be back. Um, yeah, but the other, so the other thing you can see in it, too, is, like, there's several moments of um, – you can see clearly that they edited it. And it's funny because they didn't even try to cover it up. Like, I mean, you could easily cover up the edits with B-roll and pretend like it was never edited. But, I mean, so, like, they definitely controlled the message. They definitely did that. But I will say this, too. The message was good, too, because um, now, of course, there's obviously a lot of Israel Adesanya haters, and they're nitpicking, and they're whatever – but I thought it was good, man. I thought he gave credit to Sean Strickland. He gave credit to Eric Nixick. Said, "Listen, man, you know, admitted I felt off that night, but yeah. also gave credit to Sean Strickland and Eric Nixick for, you know, for for the way Sean kept the pressure up, for the way Eric was, you know, breaking down the calls and 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 yeah. had really figured out Izzy as a fighter, um, and just admitted he couldn't make the adjustments, which is what we all saw that, that night. But and that and good. that's the part I think I wanted to hear the most was just him to be able to admit that." Sean put out a great plan. They had great execution and that he just wasn't able to counter, you know, like 
I think some people were expecting maybe it's the Izzy Hades were expecting him to just be like, uh, you know, to come up with some excuse and never put any blame on himself. But he was open about that. And that's the part that I immediately that I keyed in and was like, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's what I wanted to see out of it. The rest of it, I'm like, you could fluff it up as much as you want. It could be as big as a PR piece as you want. Just admit that the night wasn't yours, that something happened, that you weren't able to come up with an answer for what was on the other side. And then I'm like, cool, because that's what we saw. That And it was just good, and it was nice to hear that. And I was like, okay, cool. Now you can talk about yourself the rest of it. I just wanted to hear one <laughs> honest like moment where it was just like, yep, the guy was the better guy that night. You know, I, I had no did. answer for him. I, th- I think you know? he gave That's it, cool. Man. I think he so, gave yeah, it. Kudos you know, to him. Uh, I, I thought he did. So I thought he handled it really well. So I just want to say – I thought this was handled well, and I just I think more again the highest highest level athletes again the ones making their way up no get out there do as many interviews as you can get your face out there but when you're at that high level man don't be afraid to handle things this way I think it's it's honestly I would recommend it for fighters yeah being honest. you get a million million subscribers on your channel man fucking do it <laughs> yeah and that's and that's and that's a platform that you can use. You know, after your fighting days are done, too. I mean, the 100%. type of paychecks that Israel Adesanya is cashing when he fights, I don't think he's looking too much into the YouTube revenue to make sure, <laughs> like, hey man, like and his brother might be, his brother might be, absolutely, his brother might be. And then once your once your once your fighting days are done, and you're looking to just have some a little bit of extra income coming in, you know, you still have yep. that platform that you can continue to make money off of afterwards. So um, I think it's smart, man. I just want to just want to throw that out there. Uh, the other thing I did want to point out too, before we start talking about this weekend's fights. Uh, did you see the piece from Angela Lee on the Players Tribune um, called I, I, Resilient? I saw the summary of it. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really read it, but I, I saw, I saw the the highlights of it, and I thought, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it, it sort of laid out what all of us, well, most of us, kind of knew or already heard through, you know, um, through the grapevine about her sister. Um, but I didn't under, I didn't know that about her her car accident herself. I thought that was very honest and open. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I saw the highlights, um, summaries of it, bits of it. But yeah, I didn't I didn't go through the whole thing. It's definitely worth checking out as well if you get a chance. And uh, you know, I'm just recommending it to people out there. Just it's 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 incredibly open and honest, like you said, talking about her sister, which is an absolute tragedy. But then talking about what she went through herself, as as you said, you know, an attempted suicide of her own, um, and. You know, just kind of own it up to the pressure that she felt, even as it seemed like, you know, the world was her oyster and all the, all the things were successful. And, like, she's 100%. The, she, she's winning fights and she's got belts and she's the poster child of this organization. She was the poster child. Right? 100%. They yep. were building yep. around her. There's no question. They were building around the Lee family. One championship was, you know, they, they were going to build around her because because it was, you know, it made sense, right? She she had the Asian ties. She had the American ties. It was like the perfect family to kind of build over. And the, and the, so, I mean, they were really using her as a cornerstone of the franchise. Um, but she talked about, you know, kind of the pressure that came along with that, even though it felt like everything was amazing. I just think it's a good reminder, man, because um, – Listen, man, everybody, I think everybody feels that to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how many, no matter who you look at in life and you feel like, man, they got it nailed, dude. Everything is everything is awesome, man. That Dude, everybody's got those doubts and everybody's got that anxiety and everybody's got those concerns and those um, whatever. And it's just, I don't know, to, to hear somebody um, voice it like that. And that's, she's actually started a nonprofit um, called Fight Stories that, you know, she credits her, her sister to having ownership as well just to continue to tell stories like that just to, just to help people be aware, you know, that you're not alone out there if you're feeling these things and there is help out there for you. And, and not only is there help out there for you, but there's just a lot of people that can relate uh, you know, even if it's not exactly to what you're going through, that right. they can they can at least relate to it to a degree. And um, yeah, it's it, it was a good read. It's a very very open and honest read. And I, you know, I think a good a good read too to remind again the the stress that a lot of fighters go through. Man, the the things that go through their mind. It is a uh, it's such a mental challenge, man. And uh, you know, but again, it it doesn't just relate to fighters. I think it relates to everybody out there. So I just wanted to recommend that piece as well to anybody that hasn't checked it out. Again, it was resilient. Uh, was the title of it? It's at the Players Tribune. So um, a that's really, awesome. Yeah, really I have to piece. I have to give it a 
That's good to watch, for sure. For, for sure, man. All right, well, let's talk about this weekend. We, uh, it is a, a double event weekend. We do have Bellator 299 uh, early in the day on Saturday. I love it. If they're going to be on the same day, at least one of them can be in Europe so we can just have a, a day-long <laughs> uh, experience with watching MMA. We can catch it all. I think 21 fights on the card at Bellator. So, you know, maybe I'll duck in and out a little bit of a couple fights here and there with, with so many cards. It's, I mean, they're loading up these fight cards right now for Bellator. I, I think, again, just maybe pointing to the inevitable of what we think is going to happen with Bellator and the PFL. Uh, yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about it at length. You know, nobody's really speaking about it publicly, but as you speak to everybody behind the scenes, it's just kind of like, eh, when the, when the inevitable happens, it happens, and we'll figure it all out. Uh, so I feel like maybe they're just in a, in a situation where they're trying to burn through contracts and just get people fights, you know what I mean? Just get, get them done because – Hey, we owe you this, and we don't know what the future's going to be done. Let's just load up, load up, load up, and get this done. Uh, yep. So a, a good card over there, Bellator 299. But you and I, of course, <clears throat> uh, we were covering the media day at UFC Fight Night 228. Um, a fight card that I think does have some some, some exciting moments. I think it is going to be uh, – I think it does have some quality matchups that, that we'll talk yep. about. But um, right up there at the top, uh, Rafael Fazeev and Matosh Gamrot. I, I, I'm excited for this fight. I feel like maybe a little bit under the radar. I think it, it always is. When you come off controversy, you come off title fights, you come off all that, um, it's hard to look around. But, you know, this is number six and number seven in the lightweight division. I think both of these guys have eyes on kind of proving that they belong in those top names right there. And, um, you know, I think it's an intriguing clash of styles. This has a little bit of everything for me, right? You know, it's 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 two yeah. guys that are in that second tier that are trying to prove they're in that first tier, but then it's also a clash of styles because I love the fact that neither one of them is really trying to hide what they're trying to do. It's like, I mean, because he's like, bro, my striking is better than anybody. I'm going to prove it. Although he did say he did learn to uh, cook some humble pie, right, after after yeah. his <laughs> battle with Justin Gaethje. Meanwhile, Mataus Gamrod <laughs> just says uh, – my wrestling uh, kills everybody out there, and so I don't think he's going to be handle, uh, be able to handle me. Uh, by the way, had the tutelage of uh, Joanna and Jacek in his corner as well. It was great to see Joanna yes. Champion walking around the apex. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped up by this matchup. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, that should be. I mean, that should be really, really good. I mean, Matalja, I've I've rolled with that dude when well, I rolled physically, but like picked him for staff picks for many, <laughs> definitely many. Definitely, I've not rolled with of, that guy. Definitely not rolled with him. Uh, for many, many times, you know, and this one, I actually did go for Fiziv. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe I'll switch it again. Uh, I, I know when I see him across from each other in the weigh-ins, I'll probably see a size difference and I'll probably switch. But I don't know. I just, I felt like after seeing like the Benil Darius and just some, even though I did get that win after that one, I think who was the win after that? Jalen, uh, Jalen Turner, which Turner is a, a tough, tough cat. I don't know, man. I just felt like I saw, not that. I saw questions where I didn't see questions before with him on just being overall, whether he was able to, you know, be able to have success if he doesn't get fighters to the ground, if he doesn't get his hands on him, or uh, is his striking going to be good enough to take the fight itself? And I'm just not quite sure. Whereas Fizio, I think he's just got great power. He's got great hands. I think he's ready to go in there and make a big splash. But I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and forth on that one once I see him. But I am excited for that fight. I think it's a good fight. I think it's a worthwhile headlining fight. I know some people at first weren't really excited about it. And they thought, oh, okay, that's a perfect Apex card. I hate when people say that. Oh, it's a perfect Apex card. Bro, That that's – I mean – that being said, I mean, this could be a co-main event somewhere else at a bigger event. Um, would I want it to see it at T-Mobile? I don't know. I think, you know, you get in a T-Mobile, you really need to have almost at this point a title fight or something really, really moving to make it at that thing. But I think it's a good fight. It's And it definitely is a fight that has ramifications for the division. I mean, these guys are right, you know, going off the UFC rankings. They're right outside of the top five. Um, or at least maybe that's just topologies uh, rankings. Well, that's who I happen to be looking at right now. This is so you bring up a really good point, right? Because I know a lot of people just hate the Apex and they just don't want the the Apex should never host events or whatever. You and I are not among them. Now we've admitted part of that is because it's incredibly convenient to us. But you, I think you, I think you also have to understand 
how beneficial this is towards the USC because you're right about this, right? Like, if you're trying to go into a town, I don't know what town it is, and you got Fazeev and Gamrot, and you're trying to sell out, let's say, a, a, a moderate size arena, 12 to 13,000 seat arena, you know, not even like the big NBA, T Mobile arena, you know, maybe something a little bit smaller, a 10 to 12,000. I think it's going to be a tough sell, right? Because these two 100%. dudes are high level martial artists. Like, right? We all, Fazeev's. Uh, man, his striking is, is unbelievable. It's so fun to watch. Gamrot, we know what he's accomplished on the international scene. Now, maybe if you were like, I don't know, you, you know how like, uh, you know, D D Bellator, Strike Force, whatever, would always bring like Fedor to Chicago because of the Russian population or the Polish. That's it. But, but these are That's not it. like these are not like superstars, right? So this yeah, allows you got a Polish guy and a guy from Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, I mean, where <laughs> uh, where are you going to do that fight? Boise. Where you we're going to take that to Boise? <laughs> Boise? I just, you know, again, I think that's that's going to be a struggle. But it's a high-level fight, and it's right. it's a fight that matters in, in, in the ranking. So, to me, when people say it's a perfect Apex card, I know they mean it as an insult. But if you think about it from a UFC business perspective, it is. This is a great fight. But if you were a business owner, you're running the UFC, I'd love to hear from you where you would put this fight to know that I think I had the best chance. Like, they're both decent in interviews they're not great yep. i mean there's you they know speak english yeah they it's not like we english. have to have it translated but it but <laughs> they're not going to go on like the local news or a, or, a, or a radio tour and just tear up the world and sell to, you know what i mean yeah. so it's just I, I i don't know so i do think this is a perfect apex main event but i think people use that as an insult when they really shouldn't but to, 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 yeah because it's going to be a banger it's going to you know oh. both guys are going to bring it's like Neither one of these guys are going to go out there and fight to get the W. They're going to go out there to fucking knock a, knock each other out or actually submit the guy. They, they want to finish. They want to win. And that's their styles. I mean, like they have great heart. They have great endurance. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And why not have it in that environment? Um, I can't believe – I can't remember if it was Gamrot that said it or maybe it was somebody else that talked about how – no, maybe it was somebody else that talked about they liked the atmosphere because it felt like it was like an underground fight. They're like the first time I went in there. Maybe it was Battle that no, said that, that was, actually. It was, it was Jordan, and I remember it's it stuck out oh, to me. it was Jordan. It was Charles Jordan, and it stuck out to me because – that is exactly the way I feel about it. Now, maybe, 100%. maybe, 100%. <laughs> maybe now that we've done, I guess, what eighty events plus all the contender series, like maybe I feel less that way now that we've. Gosh, yeah, I mean, we've got to be, we've got to be up towards a hundred fight cards at the Apex now that we've attended. Yeah, you know what I mean? Something ridiculous. <laughs> um, so it maybe feels less. Like, but the first time you're in there, it does really feel that way for sure. Like it feels like. Yeah. You're like, is it? Are we supposed to be doing this? Like, are they going to come shut us down here in a little bit? You know, he said it feels like <laughs> yep. Fight Club, and he likes it. And there are people that like it. Again, there are numerous athletes that said, "I feel less nervous when I'm in there. I can hear my yep. corner better. Hear my coaches. You, you know, can what hear I mean? their corner. You, can hear <laughs> you their know, corner. like you're hearing. The <laughs> so it's amazing. There, there, there really is something to it. It listen. Should every card be at the apex? No, I think it's great right. that there's an event at Madison Square Garden. I think it's great that they just added that insane co-main event to Madison Square Garden. Hopefully, it helps them sell because those tickets are yeah, not how cheap. How about that? Man. Oh my! How gosh. about that? What an announcement! That's, that's that a, was. That's a that's a that's an incredible main co-main event. Like that's that's a, that's a one two that's punch cool. right there for a 30th 100%. anniversary show. That's a one two punch. That's a um, big one. But there are cards that I mean, there is a place in the business plan and in the sport for the Apex. So going back to your point, so I have the stats in front of me because I think you're spot on about this and um it's intriguing right because i've heard a lot of people t point to the fact that i mean this is striker versus grappler right but a lot of people point to the fact that hey by the way faziz takedown rate and it's amazing Fazeev's takedown rate, his defense rate, is 90.2%, which is pretty damn incredible when you consider... That's incredible. He's a striker, but he's a very, you know, he knows what it's like to defend. It's actually only slightly below Gamrot's uh, takedown defense, which is 90.9%, which is amazing. Um, then, you, you you know, again, keying in the striker stats, the strikes landed per minute for Fazeev over his UFC career, 5.06, where Gamrot's only 3.03, .03, so Fazeev is landing on average... Two more shots, significant strikes per minute. So you can see the output there. Um, but the the one that is crazy. So we just pointed to the takedown defense. But let me put this as well. This is pretty incredible. Mataos Gamrot, his takedown accuracy is only 31.7%. So you go, one out of three. Okay, that's not really it's not really that great. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not great. The UFC average is 45%. So he's actually below average in takedown accuracy. Except 
when you look at his average takedowns per 15 minutes, Matos Gamrot, 4.54 takedowns averaged per three-round fight. So on average, he's taking you down one and a half times a round. The UFC average on that is 1.93. So is that so, the difference of main event versus a, a non-main event, or is that just in the no? Because they do the they do the average per 15 minutes. So uh, so they, yeah. So I mean that that just goes to show you how many takedowns he has, and that's why that's why I'm leaning Gamrot. I think because if Gamrot can't get this to the ground, he is going to have a hard time with Aziz striking. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. but when I think of Gamrot, I do think of, and I think those stats spell it out perfectly. He's one for three, but he's going to get you down almost five times per fight. So what does that mean? That means that he reshoots, and he reshoots, and he reshoots, and he reshoots yep. again, and he reshoots again. Yeah, he never he stops. And he it never, never stops. stops. Yep. It never stops. I mean, I think he would have to get really, really hurt. And I think, and plus, the, the striking isn't all that bad either because he seems more of a, a counter striker looking for those takedowns as opposed to a guy that's going to go out there trying to knock somebody out. Whereas Fiziev probably wants to be busy with his hands because he wants to do damage. I think Gamrot's a little bit more reserved where he's looking for those openings to maybe, you know, counter and and look for a way to kind of sting you and then get his hands on you and get you down yep. and then just pound the shit out of you or submit you or something. Um, it should be interesting. And uh, I reserve the right to switch my vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, che- we'll, we'll check out we'll check out the weigh-ins. We'll check out the face-offs. Yeah. You know, I will say, by the there way. There's a two-inch difference, but, man. Two inch on paper, according to uh, Tapology's numbers, are five ten for Gamrot, five eight for Fizzy. But I'm telling you, a lot of time when you see him person in face to face, that it looks a lot bigger than two inches. Sometimes, like what it says on paper, and when you see him, sometimes you're like, all right, somebody got the numbers wrong on this sheet because this guy looks a lot bigger than another one. So it'd be interesting. But Gamrot, he's a he's a he's a he's a tall he, he's big for that division when he when he's. Uh, when he's fully hydrated, well, he's a and good I, size. And I tell you what, I think it was uh, Alex Buchanan who pointed out that he had LASIK. I didn't realize he had LASIK, but I did realize he wasn't wearing the glasses. And I will say, yeah. he does look a lot more intimidating without the glasses. Because when, yeah. when, when he would always when when Tash would show up to when, when he would show up to to media week with the glasses on, I don't know if for whatever reason I'm like, is that the same? Dude, I'm used to watching. Yeah. Those are some. He's got a. He's got a pretty decent uh, prescription level, right? On yeah, those like things, some thick yeah. lenses on those bad yeah, boys, they're man. They're thick. <laughs> I think that's what does it. Because when you look in his eyes and he turns off to the side to answer somebody's questions, his eyes sort of becomes all like crazy giant because <laughs> it's that heavy prescription size on it. But uh, good for him. I mean, this. You know, it's funny. Uh, this is going to be the first fight. It's going to be interesting to see how how he reacts to that, and maybe we'll see a whole different version because. You know, I think that a lot of times when we think about when I think about like Roxanne, um, oh. Ferry and a bunch of other fighters that have glasses that that don't fight with them, um, you wonder how well their performance would be if they were able to see a hundred percent in there. And Absolutely. he's going to go in there seeing things a lot clearer than he's ever had uh, before, perhaps. And so it, it should be interesting. It could be interesting. Um, maybe he'll start throwing those hands because he can see, he can see yeah, the guy across from him that. a lot better. <laughs> so great. Uh, <laughs> he, he goes in there, he's just throwing ten, like 10 shots every, per minute or something. The, uh, I, I love the Roxanne Motiferi reference. Obviously, you know how much love I have for her. She's, oh, she's, she's so a, awesome. But it was, I mean, it was crazy to see her step in there and just like, I mean, just squinting to oh. see on the other side. You're like, you can't see. I was see like, any- can she see anything? <laughs> I don't. I don't think she. I don't think she talked about it too much until she retired. But she was basically like, after she was like, yeah. Unless I have contact with my opponent, I basically can't see them at all. Like yeah. it's just like colors. Wait for and- the blur to get close, yeah. then I grab it. <laughs> So crazy. <laughs> and I twist its damn leg off. Oh, too funny. All right, Cole made a fantastic one as well. Bryce Mitchell against Dan Ige. Yeah. Tough one here, man, because I got a lot of love for both these guys, man. Dan Ige, of course, you know, we've seen the rise. We saw the setbacks. Now we see the rise again, and he's talking about, you know, kind of all the pressures he put on himself. And, 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 you know, it all came around the time of fatherhood, and he was like, man, I got to provide for my family. And he started having those setbacks, and he started having those self-doubts, and, and now he's back. And we know that dude is just dangerous. Like, he's coming in to throw. Meanwhile, you got Bryce Mitchell, who, you know, I, I, again, I've been a, a Bryce Mitchell fan from the, the early days. You know, I always said it. The first time I saw him was, you know, World Series of uh, Fighting when he was, like, on the undercard there. V, I think V3 fights, uh, which is now part of CFFC. But, uh, 
you know, that, the, the old Joey Varner interview where he's like, why do they call you Thug Nasty? And he's like, y'all see me in the cage, but you ain't see me in the streets. And I was just like, I love this guy. You know, and, and obviously he had the game to go with it. His grappling game is incredible. Um, but now he's coming off a loss, right? Not only is he coming off a loss, but he's coming off an injury as well. And, and, and maybe there's some doubts that he's not the guy that we thought he was. And uh, and then, But then he came in the media day, and he's like uh, talking about his maturity and where he stands now. And, um, I mean, this is this – is, this, I think it should be fireworks. I think in a lot of ways – I think in a lot of ways it's – probably stylistically kind of echoes the main event as well. Not that they're perfect carbon copies of each other, but I got to yep. imagine Dan Ige 100%. wants to keep this on the feet and Bryce Mitchell wants to turn this into a grappling contest where he's more dangerous. And yep. um, I think we see whoever imposes their will. That's the one that gets it done. I think you're hundred percent right. And, you know, and, and, and it's tough because, you know, uh, out that being said with like the, the loss and Mitchell and the injury and just, you know, yeah. Seeing him come in was just like, it was like a whole different version of him yesterday. He was much more reserved, much more humble in a sense. He was yeah. very, um, you know, talked a little bit about his, his faith, you know, and what it's done for him. And he was just very, very polite. He w- literally walked through the whole room, shook everybody's hands. You know, it's funny. He was cutting behind me and I was like, please don't trip over anything. I was like, cause if you fall and hurt yourself, I was like, they're going to fucking kill us. Uh, but he just wanted to thank everybody. He was just happy to be there. He was really, really enjoying it. Um, he was said he was very happy to see you. I thought that was very cool and very humble of him. He was very humble coming in there. Um, it should be interesting. You know, it's, it's tough. Um, if you if, if if there's a betting person that's looking at my picks and you want to follow it, I will I will put the disclaimer. I did lean uh, I favored Team Extreme uh, Extreme Couture on this one. Yeah. I'm kind of homering out a little bit, um, but if I had to make my druthers, I would probably pick Mitchell. But um, in the sense, I want to start training back at Extreme again. I don't want to have too many guys that are like, uh, <laughs> why the fuck don't you ever pick us? Like you hate Extreme. I'm not trying to be like that. Uh, but I like Ige's story. Um, he's a good cat, man. He's uh, he's been he's been paying his dues. Um, nice guy, but man, uh, Extreme Couture is just riding a wave right now. So I'm on that one. I'm kind of homering out. Um, but if you know, I will I will put the disclaimer that uh, there is part of me that wants to pick Mitchell for that fight because I usually always lean uh, Bryce Mitchell. But on this one, I'm just kind of homering out because I want to be able to train at Extreme Couture <laughs> and not not <laughs> not catch beef. So I gotta pick far and few even though i did pick strickland to lose but i think part of the extreme probably would have picked strickland to lose uh so i don't feel as bad but I, part of me is like i know nixick's gonna look at these picks and he's like fuck you i don't want you coming to extreme so this is this is me uh saying i'm, I'm picking one for for the home team That's on this particular one but i think this fight's gonna be great i i mean if there was a i mean out of all the fights i think the main event is great but i'm more into this fight than the main event wow. just because it Personally, I think this one's more exciting. I like the characters a little bit better. I'm just more in tune to the characters, and I think that's what half the time when people are watching these fights, there's a story, there's a character, there's something that just draws them to Absolutely. this event. Um, and it's these two cats, um, Bryce Mitchell. I mean, I think he's always just got he's just but he's a galvanizing sort of uh, thing, and he's he's not fool he's not fool's gold, people. He's real gold. Uh, he's real he, gold. He's real gold. Um, and I, and I just, I like the cats, but yeah, in terms of maybe it doesn't mean as much for the division, but just in the fight that gets me more excited because I want to see, I think there's just crazy. I think there's a bigger chance of there being a crazy submission to end it, or maybe a knockout in this particular fight than there will be in the main event. Um, I see the main event having a better chance of going to a decision than the, the co-main event, but I'm excited for the co-main event. I don't disagree with you. Top, top two are incredible. Uh, you have uh, ranked women's strawweights as well between Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson Gomez. Kind of an unexpected rematch there. Karate Hadi yeah. says, listen, uh, could be an entirely different rematch than last time. Let's not forget, last time we put it together on short notice. Last time it was uh, five rounds. Last time it was 125 pounds. Everything is different this time around. So she's predicting something a little bit different there. Brian yeah, her Battle. mindset was awesome. Oh. Her, her mindset was just incredible yesterday. Yep. She was so honest and open. I mean, and one, she's – the karate hottie is definitely a hottie, but it was just, it was beautiful hearing her talk about just, she just had a great mindset when she came in there yesterday. I mean, it was just perfect, man. And, uh, looking forward to that fight a hundred percent. That's That should be a really, really good one. I am too. Uh, Brian battle, AJ Fletcher and Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan round out the main card. I think that Ramos Jordan fight should be a lot of fun. Both those guys 
Yeah, both those guys kind of said it was going to be, uh, you know, a war. Jordan, you know, you, you mentioned the one Jordan comment about fighting the Apex. The other one that cracked me up was, uh, that, I mean, that one didn't crack me up. Like, that one resonated with me because I feel the same way. But I think in which one you're going to talk about, the, let's see if, let's see if it's, it, it's You know what it is. When he, it literally, because it literally made me laugh out loud, like, louder than I meant to because he was talking about how the fact that he doesn't get as much attention in Canada as he, as he as you know, he would like, even though he's one of the Canadian veterans kind of leading the charge right now and he's like he's like i feel like people look at me and like well you're not george st pierre and he's yeah. like no shit <laughs> no <laughs> shit he's one of the greatest of all times but thank you very much i appreciate that comment so <laughs> he was just like yeah no shit i'm not george st pierre nobody's george st pierre what are you talking about yeah, uh, that was awesome the way he just he's a good dude. he's a yeah he's a funny dude man he's 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 like a like not and not that he's just like out there just throwing mad jokes, but he's all he always comes off. He has a great sense of humor yeah. and he's very very honest and open about shit. But yeah, man, and he's a hell of a fighter. So yeah, that fight should be a lot of fun. But yeah, he was hilarious yesterday. He's I great. Yeah, great. I I think that should be great. Yeah, because Ramos is one of those dudes, man, that is just dangerous. But he's just never been able to get consistent work in his career, yeah. man. He's, he fights like once a year, and yeah. um, but dude, he's a nice kid too, man. He had a great personality coming in as well. Everybody seemed like the media day if people haven't seen the interviews you can go to mmajunkie.com and uh check out this one but yeah he had a great personality yesterday as well i mean you can't hate on any of the any of the guys that showed up and you can't hate on him i'm like whether you have a favorite you know you had the favorite canadian but yeah hamos or ramos I, i'm always about the h's when it's hicardo hamos even though that's not what his name is uh but yeah it should be really good but i think you're right yeah he has maybe a hard time you know kind of trailing some things together but he's a badass man and the rankings uh chapology has him 33 has jordan 20 and i think that's those numbers sound bigger than probably what these guys are able to do i think that's their feather oh that's worldwide or whatever but um yeah i mean this it's a high level fight it's a big i am leaning jordan in this particular one i'm not sure where you were leaning on that but i am leaning jordan but uh i've been kind of riding on jordan for a little bit i think he's just he's always sort of been on the verge of making some big moves. And for a while there, he was making some big moves, but I think, he'll, I think he'll return to those big, uh, uh, towards the top of division. hundred percent. I think it's going to be a great fight. The prelims. I listen, I'm telling you, I think, I think it's going to be a decent night of fights in terms of just exciting Dan Argueta versus miles Johns. That could be a lot of fun. The one that's jumping out to me is Tim Means versus Andre Fialio, yes. man. I just <laughs> that should any, be awesome. Anytime the Dirty Birds in there, you know that like that's gonna be a fun fight. Andre Fialio gives zero fucks. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, that's gonna be just, a banger. Like, I can't wait for that one. That's uh, gonna be fun. Yep, Jacob Malkoon and Cody Brundage. Muhammad Usman is back against Jake Collier. Yes. Uh, Mizuki Inouye, who is just going by Mizuki now. Uh, I, I, a lot of people, this will probably be kind of a, a mystery name, uh, but she's she's a prospect that had a lot of time away. Um, I was very impressed with her earlier in her career, so um, she's looking to make kind of a comeback statement here against Hannah Goldie. We'll see uh, how that plays out. And then Tamaris Vidal versus Montserrat Rendon starts the night out. So um, a, a, a tidy little 11 fights, I believe, you know, which is, I think, to me, yeah. about the right amount. Not too many. Not, you know, not not, not the 21 we got over at Bellator 299. Well, see, I will not be starting my day. Since we have the, the fights in the evening, I will not be watching at the beginning of the night. I'll probably, when it gets towards the bottom of the, the bottom of the card depending on what time that would be i'll probably pop that up if, it, if we're still at home i'm trying to think of the first fight what time's the first fight of the the so i'm trying to look at it as well i know the i believe the the is main 1 card PM? 1, 1 p.m is the main card is that the us. main card yeah oh so, yeah so there's oh, yeah. gonna be some big heavy yeah. uh pre- crossover pre- at the same time prelims are at uh are at 8 a.m pacific time so if you want to get up at 8 a.m and start watching fights uh no. So the main card, the main card will, <laughs> the main card will overlap uh, with the prelims of the UFC. So you can't watch them side by side. But but at least if you want to go main card to main card, you can. Which I think there's some yeah. decent prelims. That's right. I'm 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 pretty fair with two screen viewing if I've got one main card and one prelim card because I can kind of key in on the main card and kind of just monitor the prelims. What I what I hate is when it's like main card main card at the same time yeah. like i just can't split my attention that way so. yeah it's tough yeah it's tough because one of them always wins out but yeah. yeah i will definitely uh while i'm sitting in there watching the prelims i'll probably pop up the uh the main one and see what's going on over there at least for a couple of the big major Bellator yeah, ones you have to busy busy weekend uh and i will say by the way uh, if if uh, one championship does have a, a card, uh, this is one of the Friday morning cards. So this is not the Friday evening card on Amazon. This is the ones 
um, that are early in the morning. Again, it's 8.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern is when it starts, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, but the main event, it's, it's a big Muay Thai card, and there's a lot of really talented Muay Thai fighters on here. And again, Muay Thai and four-ounce gloves, man, it doesn't get any better than that. But the main event is Rod Tang versus Superlek. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that in terms yeah. of strikers. Now, as it's, bad, as it was <laughs> super luck missed weight, and so it, it lost a bit of uh, – it was supposed to be for a title. It's not. Um, but this is kind of one of those ones that I don't think you care too much about the belt. I mean, this is literally just two of the best strikers on the yeah, planet. Yeah, just want to see the fight. Yeah, exactly. So um, keep an eye out for that. That's early Friday morning. So, again, that's not the ones that are on the evening time on Amazon. They do have some of those coming up uh, for the next two weeks, but this is a Friday morning one. So – uh, plenty of opportunity to watch lots of uh, lots of stuff. In fact, yeah, their next their next Friday night card is the following Friday night, September thirtieth. So, uh, looking forward to that. So, anyway, uh, listen, I apologize once again that we that we were a day late. I, I will accept one hundred percent of the responsibility. It is not on cold <laughs> coffee shoulders whatsoever. Uh, I did want to go to that training seminar, and it was like. We could have like rushed and rushed and rushed and squeezed it in between the media day and and the seminar, uh, but I, I was a little worried about that. And then I could have tried to do it afterwards, but then, you know, I had I had soccer practice with the kid and we had the, the baseball tickets and we wanted to go hang out in the pool. And so I just asked yeah, for forgiveness to okay. delay it one day. One day it's okay. We'll be back to work it's next okay. week. Not a lot going on. I guess I just say very, enjoy the uh, enjoy the busy weekend of MMA this weekend because we actually have kind of a rare. A rare week next week, right? There's 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 no UFC, there's no Bellator, there is some one, but uh, we'll get kind of a Ooh. kind of a relaxed week here in Las Vegas. Well, dude, after two weeks back to back, the the uh, contender. When I say back to back, I meant like contenders, then fight week. Uh, I'll be ready for it. Yeah, I'll well, be you, ready for and it. you do even more than I do because I don't go to the weigh-in. So you do Monday morning contenders weigh-ins, Tuesday night contenders, Wednesday media day, Friday weigh-in saturday fights yeah. so you you're at the apex four days and the uh the palace station one day so you're, yeah. you're on and then last week we had the noche we had the thursday as well they threw in that uh uh event that was at the uh level up i was like oh no so that was monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday i was like that's a fun week but yeah so i'll be ready i'll be ready for i'll be ready for next week then. so i didn't weird. even realize it was a non a non-fight week. I just assume there's fights. My life is just like Saturday. I already know what's happening. It's it's a fight. It's a fight night, obviously. So being a non-fight kind of fight week, I wonder if that's the time to just break out the frosty beverages and get a little wild with it. Mm-hmm. I'm little... probably about due. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I haven't since last night, so I guess I'm. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> Ah, just kidding, just kidding. All right, listen, uh, appreciate everybody's patience for putting up with us for being a little bit late. Apologize. I'll take responsibility for that. Appreciate everybody that supports us over patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Uh, you guys mean the world to us. And, of course, we will have a and-a-half episode uh, this week uh, as we do every single week. And uh, if, you're, if you're not able to join us over there, if you can at least just take a second to uh, rate us, interview us, wherever you listen to us, that does help us out. Uh, I like to, to do it on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you do, uh, it helps us out. So always appreciate the support. Always appreciate you guys being around for us. And more than anything, we'll just say thanks for listening.